podcast, Let's Go Critical, where uh, the members of Frantic Romantic, a musical group, uh, we review and talk about some of our favorite albums, some of our least favorite albums. Um, my name's Mike, but my mutant name is Mr. Kerosene, and joined with me is my best bud, Rube Walker. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, we, we do, I mean, this is episode number one, so we're going to give you a little bit of information about ourselves. Um, I am the lead singer of Frantic Romantic. And I'm the guitarist. We're both songwriters. We're buds. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and uh, Ruben and I have been uh, making music together since uh, 2015, um, separately for probably uh Three decades, something like that, years right? before that, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we first met each other playing a show in San Jose, California at the X Bar uh, in 2012. 12. Yep. Uh, uh, Ruben was dressed like a businessman. I was dressed like a pimp. pimp. At, at least that's what people say. Um, but here we are. And uh, we're both down in L.A. now. And uh, we're, we're still doing our thing. And we figured, hey, you know what we've been talking about for a while? Doing a podcast. And not just any podcast, but a podcast about music. And some of the challenges in that is saying, hey, I know you don't listen to this genre, so let's listen to it. And you the same, right? Absolutely. Samesies. Absolutely. Uh, just a quick shout out to my brother, Jason, for letting me back on the Let Me Listen podcast network. Uh, for anybody who doesn't remember, I used to have a podcast on the Let Me Listen podcast network called... Uh, the Filmtastic Voyage, and that was me and Alex Keller, who's now Alex St. Pierre. He's married. He's living up in Vancouver. I wish him the best. But hey, times have changed, and uh, back then it was movies. Now it's music, and uh, we're excited because we're both music nerds. So to kick off this very exciting podcast, we went we went bold, all right? And uh, Ruben, I would like, because this is your pick. Right, right. It is my pick, right. I would love for you to to introduce what we're going to be talking about today. All right. So for today, um, I know, and just in conversation and just hanging out and touring and playing places, I've always talked with Zeke Zero about Kanye's work, Kanye West's work. And an album that always, I always mention that inspired what we do with Frantic is an album that's very polarizing, an album called 808s and Heartbreak. Um, and it's polarizing because at the time, hip-hop and rap in general were, were kind of in a different space. You know, it was always kind of this, um, it was said to be very masculine and very, like, um, characterized with with a certain, a certain aesthetic and a certain lifestyle. And when this came out, this was kind of a little more I mean, it was kind of funny. It was a little satirical. It was uh, a little like delving into like fashion, glamour, and it didn't sound like everything in the landscape. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, I've heard in an interview with uh, the artist T-Pain, who had a similar sound to this album, that he met up with Kanye and Kanye told him, I could do that. I could do what you're doing. All it is is it's auto-tune over 808s, and then that's kind of what the birth of this this record. Uh, in my opinion, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not like a, a hip hop uh, sociologist or anything like that. I'm not an expert. This is just my opinion. You know, a musician. And for our hip hop sociologists out there, 
uh, please leave comments in the comments section to educate us. Educate my ass. We, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for anything that we might not know. But we are interested. <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, for me, um, I kind of grew up around, I mainly listened to rock, but I did always kind of have hip hop around me just because of where I grew up. And so, um, to me, this was this was kind of a nice blend of things. It kind of had some of like the sense uh, synth sensibilities that a lot of the new wave stuff that I liked growing up in it. It had a very dark tone, and I think Kanye was was mourning his mother. He had just lost his mother, and some of the some of that pain shows on this album. And I think that's why I was really drawn to it. Um, there's songs like like Paranoid and um, what's it uh, Heartless that that convey a lot of that vibe a lot of that you know it wasn't trying to be so macho it was more just being artistic i think mm. so yeah yeah you know it's interesting you say that um and and just to give some backstory right uh again with ruben and i we're, we're trying to pick stuff that um the other person hasn't listened to so for me uh i hadn't listened to one song of kanye west before this and I only knew of Kanye West, the personality, right? The 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 uh, the Hurricane Katrina, uh, Kanye West, and right. the um, South South Park, the the South Park, which Kanye is this West. era, actually, right, right, yeah. Uh, the, the, so the South Park Kanye West, the the MAGA hat Kanye West, the running for president Kanye West, the Mr. Kardashian Kanye West, right? Mr. Kardashian, uh, the anti-Semitic comments Kanye West right right for me it's it's watching this person um who's very hard for me to uh uh endorse right but the challenge of this podcast is to uh face those things and and to to understand these folks more as people and as artists, right? Yeah, I think it's diving into the art. We've always had this conversation, I think, yeah. as, as far back as we go, once we had time, you know, to, to talk other stuff other than our music, it was Michael Jackson, right? And you're like, can you separate the controversy with the art? You know, the artist right. versus the art. Right. And I think that's the same. That's what we're doing now with, with Kanye West in this episode. Well, and what's interesting is I listened to this <clears throat> fearfully, like going into this, I I was fearful of listening to it. After the album was over, I was like, "Wow, that was really good," and um, it reminded me a lot of like these albums that you hear from people that um have just shot up into fame and and whose lives have just fallen apart, right? So, like in utero, yeah, uh, I I think there's a lot of parallels to in utero, right? Um, like Kid A. Amnesiac, that era, right? that era of Radiohead, like after OK Computer, after they like their tax bracket had just changed, right? And like world was chaotic. The world was very chaotic for them. Yeah, yeah. and and um, it it was, uh, you know, I mean, after this, honestly, I, I would have to listen to some more Kanye West to kind of understand his story a bit better. But like you said, like uh, the passing of his mother, um, uh. You know, he was involved with somebody for, I think, six years and, and they had just broken it off. Um, now he's super famous, super unhappy. Um, so it was, uh, uh, it, I don't know, it, it was a really interesting album. Um, what a, 
and so, okay, with that, uh, uh, the next segment of our podcast is going into the top three and the bottom three. So, Ruben, for you, I mean, what are your top three tracks for this album? Uh, for me, I'd say um, number one, top of my list is Paranoid. It, it just, it sounded like, it was like a whole different animal, right? It's It was like nothing he had put out at the time. The music video, I don't know if you got a chance to check out the music video, super creative. Mm. Had him kind of like with like, uh, they would blend him into like a wolf every once in a while. The video is black and white. It's mainly featuring Rihanna. No, Rihanna's not in the song. <laughs> She's like sleeping. It's cool. You should check it out. But I think a combination of that and, and the way the song was put together was good. Like you can kind of hear them in the background ad-libbing. Sounds like they're just recording them in the studio, just right. bullshitting. Which I'm not really a fan of that kind of stuff, but I kind of forgave it because I felt like it was just a little bit of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the singing from I forget what dude's name is. There's a guy, Mister Something, Mister Hudson, Mister Hudson, Mister yeah, Hudson yeah, yeah. singing. I think really saved this song because um, this album was very heavy with with Kanye trying to sing with auto tune, and this is one of the songs where they didn't do that. Right, not so much. No, actually, I don't think they did that at all. They just let Mister Hudson carry the melody, and I think it was great. Yeah. Uh. So, on the top of my list was uh, also paranoid and what was interesting about it was um a lot of 80s influence just in that song you you get kind of like a hollow notes uh-huh uh-huh uh, totally phil collins right type. in the air like, like, a, like it's like a spooky like offset vibe our yeah. song jigsaw i feel like takes some of that too like unknowingly right because i know the producer we worked with i know he wasn't jamming out the kanye <laughs> in his car and, uh, you know, uh, Joseph Medina, I know he did listen to some of that. So that's probably where he took some of that uh, inspiration from. But like in the sense on the verse, that's totally paranoid. Yeah. And it's it, I know for the longest time, especially with our first album, The Victoria Trap, um, you know, every once in a while it would be brought up like, oh, yeah, you know, these synths or this song arrangement is, is very influenced by, by Kanye, Kanye West. West. Right. And for me, I obviously didn't have any context for that, but listening to this album, it made me understand, especially that first album of ours, Victoria Trap, a little bit more. I, I could see the some sort of the inspiration um, from this album. Yeah. And I know you had mentioned Graduation, too, Graduation, as, yeah, as being yeah. A, uh, an influence, too. But and it's funny, because it's almost like it's late to the party, because we did those records in 2015, and this yeah. one came out in 2008. Right. So that's something that was able to permeate in our, in our style, in our, you know, our ethos of writing or whatever. Yeah, you know, and I won't go too far into this because I know we're right in the middle of talking about specific tracks, but yeah. 2008, something about 2008 where our culture, uh, you could see the changes happening. The shift. With yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Music was, it was, 2008 was a big year for music and you could see kind of just the threads of what the 2010s would be. Same with uh, movies, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you had Dark Knight and Iron Man come out in the same summer, and then lo and behold, the next decade was all... Superhero movies. Uh, Made them a lot yeah. of money, right? It was the blockbusters. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to mention just before I forgot is I know that Kid Cudi worked on a few of these songs. Yeah. And um, there's now... I think it was his first album, uh, Man on the... What was it? Uh... Uh, yeah, Man on the Moon, End of the Day, um, which I really love. So with Day and Night, right? Yeah, that album's great. And yeah. I, I can even hear some of that influence on this album. Right, right. And yeah. it's funny because I, 
I don't know. You know, you could say I'm wrong, but I think if it wasn't for this album, I think artists like The Weeknd, uh, Drake, a lot of those bands, those artists, not bands, we're not talking about rock bands, but a lot of those artists wouldn't have had quite the, the, the oomph that they got, I think, from this record, you know? Right. Yeah, you could see things that were gonna were gonna come next, and and that's great that you bring up the weekend because I can see that too. Yeah, you know? yeah, which is um, funny because the weekend also says he's very influenced by the Deftones, which I could see. I could see, see that, right? Yeah, there's kind of a um, this is gonna sound like a negative, but it's a positive. There's, there's sort of a droning quality, yeah, yeah, to Deftones and also to the weekend that that I think works really well for their, their totally, music. yeah, yeah. Uh, so with that, what's your next uh, what's your next pick? Um, I'd say Heartless. I mean, I know that that was a big single. I love the animated um, music video for that. Um, oddly enough, he mentions like Pinocchio in this in the theme of like wanting to be real, like feeling like he's not really real anymore mm-hmm. in, in, in the whole album, right? He kind of has that vibe. Yeah. But I think he couldn't use pinocchio's like likeness from disney because that would have been too expensive i don't know if you know this but he used elroy jetson instead (laughs) to substitute as like pinocchio wow i didn't know that and you see it like there's like artwork in the video you see hella elroy jetson in the background (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) um yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's a lot of cool melodies going on. There's like the little pipe thing. I think it's awesome that South Park chose to parody this song yeah, for, yeah. for Gay Fish, you yeah. know, like to, <laughs> to dig at him. I think they did a really good version with what they did. It was clever. It was funny. That episode was was written by Bill Hader. Bill Hader, yep, yep. Yeah. I saw the interview where he was talking about it. He was like, fish sticks or whatever. You right, know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love Bill Hader. He's great. Um. Yeah. Yeah, there's just like this, um, and you know, it's funny when I think back to that time period too, like the next, like from 2008 to 2012, there's like a million covers of that song. Like everybody was covering it, oh, even wow. um, even the band I was in at the time with a girl singer, we covered it. Wow! And I remember it was real simple, and it was just you know rhythmic, and we tried to rock it out a little bit, and it was cool. But I mean, I don't know, you know, it was able to translate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. What's uh, and then what's your third favorite, or rather, oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. The third one on my yeah. top three, um, I'd have to say, amazing. Um, it, it was tough for me to say, but yeah, I think it's it's amazing. It's probably my my third third top song on this record. Um, yeah. It um again, I went back to the vision. You know, it, it's sad that music videos have kind of lost what they uh what they were once able to convey because they don't really have the platform right now you know there's not a lot right. of a lot of um and maybe shows out there again, right right know? like unless you're watching mtv at two in the morning right yeah i know because during the pandemic i'd put it on my like, cool music videos right oh, wow but it was the yeah. same like eight music videos being shown over and over again <laughs> but that that's what kind of sold me it had like this really cool um Almost like a Nightmare Before Christmas, Mr. Oogie Boogie yeah. kind of vibe to it. Don't know if you saw the video for this one, but yeah. I have it. It had that real like fluorescent um, black light kind of vibe. And they had like the like the skeleton faces and everything. And they were jumping around. Oh, wow. Moving to the beat. I, me- I remember going to a, uh, a wrestling show in Cudahy, uh, California. A little independent show at like a, in like a community center. I took my daughter and like one of the opening matches... This guy came out to that song, and I thought, 
still a, still a banger you know what i mean like it's like this many years later it's 2023 and he's still coming out to that song wow he was a young guy and i thought that's perfect like if you're a pro wrestler that's a really good song to come out to you know yeah get the crowd behind you so yeah those those are my picks cool yeah i i you know i mean all those songs are are uh good songs uh and uh so paranoid is in is, is yeah. one of my top three um now the other two heartless and um the one you um, just said amazing right amazing yeah. uh them not being in my top three doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the, yeah, of the, right, of right, the song, right. but it, it was hard to pick yeah. because there's a lot of good songs on this album. But there was a pocket in it, like right in the middle of the album um, uh, that I thought, okay, these are my top three. And it was, it was Paranoid, it was Robocop, and it was uh, Streetlights. Yeah. Now, Paranoid we talked about. Right. Robocop... Um, for anybody who hasn't heard it, uh, it's incredibly silly. Like, like, I don't know anything about Kanye West, but I know that he was having fun when he was doing this song (laughs) and it's like, it, it, (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's like silly to the max. And I just like that someone was able to be like, you know what? People are probably going to hate this song. Like my fans are probably going to hate this song but i'm going to put it on the album and it's just going to be such a fun time uh, now the back half of the song like it kind of falls apart a lot still i there's I, the the, I the so spoiled little la girl part yeah, yeah. Where which just, i almost think he's taking to dig at you know who you know i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> And it doesn't really have anything to do with the character the rest of it. Robocop. Uh, but I guess... So yeah. I don't know. Did you catch the drift what he's talking about? Uh, he's in a situation. He's in a he's in a relationship with somebody that's Super controlling, like, right? Control, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Controlling the shit out of him. Um, yeah. Uh, Which you see in Paranoid too, right? Right. Yeah. It's um, like the same narrative, I feel, you know? Well, and that's what's so cool is I think this album has... Uh, um, an overarching theme that mm-hmm. doesn't become overbearing. Right. Um, but it's enough to be like, okay, I get, I get what this album is about. Um, and then the third, my third pick was, uh, streetlights. Cause, um, I don't know. It just pulled on my heartstrings a bit and it was, it was a song. Melancholy, right? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Though. It, it's a song that I think, um, you know, it's a song that I think uh, a lot of people could understand. Um, and also like a lot of people could cover. It's like a very, uh, um, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's like way out, way out of the box. Like yeah. it's, it's, um, it's pop or it's, or it's like, uh, it's almost like a singer songwriter type song that Kanye West is, is doing. Right um right right it it, yeah i almost i almost feel like he's super vulnerable and uncomfortable because he's not like in his element when he's doing that song yeah yeah so uh with that said um let's get into the bottom three yeah what are your bottom three sure so again it's not out of the lack of quality except for maybe one except for maybe one yeah this is i think we're going to be on the same page with that one go on um so I'd see the the least offensive of the three is is love lockdown. 
And the reason I picked that one is I felt like there wasn't a lot of movement with the actual song. It was kind of just, okay, what you're hearing at like 20 seconds is what you're hearing at three minutes. And it just kind of, it just kind of goes. And then I forget about it. And then I just move on to the next song. Next track. Yeah. What about you? I, I'm actually right there with you. It's, it's Love Lockdown. Um, this is a club banger, right? So there isn't a lot of thought put behind it. I didn't like it because it's like, it's just super repetitive. Um, this is like the epitome of 808s, right? That mm-hmm. boom, you know, like right off the bat. Yeah. And that's cool, but it doesn't have any substance. Right. Right. And like, I think part of the idea is it wasn't supposed to because in a club, it's so loud. You're, you're more about <laughs> vibing. You know, yeah. you can't really have a conversation. You're just moving to the to to the the vibes or whatever. And I think that's what this song accomplishes. But that's it. It's the same shit over and over again. I remember when it came <laughs> out, my wife liked it, and I was just like, I can't get into that song. Oh, she's like, Well, you just you're just hating it. I'm like, Yeah, I'm just hating pretty much. You know, <laughs> if you hate something, you hate something. Yeah, that's, you know. I mean, uh, music in general is like purely subjective, right? It's like. It's like if someone hands you a tray of chocolates and, you know, you're trying these different chocolates out, you know, one person's going to like that chocolate, but you might not. Right, so. right. I remember he did a performance of this song on SNL and uh, like I kind of already didn't like it. But when I saw it live, when he did it, it was, it was really bad. It was a really bad version of it because it was no auto tune. Oh, yeah. And he was like losing his voice. He was getting scratchy. That's not to knock him, but like that's not his strong suit. He's not a singer. You know what I mean? Well, and that actually gets into my next pick. Um, Now, one criticism I have of the album as a singer. Yeah. There's no way around this. Um, Auto-tune as a technique... I think people need to be very careful, right? Because it's so easy to fall into the trap of people thinking, oh, they're doing auto-tune because they can't sing. Or wondering if you're doing auto-tune because you can't sing, right? Um, now, for me, I mean, just audibly listening to to a track and hearing auto-tune, it, it takes me out. Like, it, 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 uh, whatever's going on, whatever creative juices are going on with the song... Once, once something has a bunch of auto tune on it, I kind of, it takes me out. You check of it. out, right? Yeah. So my next pick, what was I think was the worst offender on the album, because it was just drenched, and that was, um, that was uh, "See You in My Nightmare." See you, yeah, okay. See you in my nightmare. Um, that that's with Little Wayne too, I think, right? He was on that yeah. as well. Who was all up on like the auto tune at that era. Right. And and the reason I picked this was one for that. Um, um, And then secondly, it's like you're waiting for the song to take off. You know, really what you're waiting for is like some kind of like percussion percussion or drums or like some sort of beat or something. And it just never like it just never happens. Um, And it almost it almost felt like a demo of that song rather than that song. Like they needed to add that next part, that next C part or whatever, yeah. right? To get to it. Yeah. But I don't know. What what about you? Um I don't remember the name of this song. It's not it's um I'm pretty sure it's not the name of it. It's um something like bad news. Oh yeah, bad news. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Uh again, that's also because of the auto tune. Like I feel like 
it had potential to do something, but the auto-tune just really turned me off. Mm. Like, it almost sounds like a dolphin, you know? <laughs> I know that's going to sound cheesy as fuck, but I mean... <laughs> It had like a dolphin vibe to it, like when he's just doing that. You know, I just got a real bad news. Right, you know? right. I could, I could, I, yeah, I could see that. Um, you know, kind of for the same reason. I think maybe the movement was a little better because it did go somewhere. You know, whereas uh, "See You in My Nightmare" didn't do that. But it just, I just couldn't get over the auto tune on that song. Sure, no, and I, 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 and that's the thing. You know, when you get to the back part of the album, um, things kind of slow down a little bit and, and and it's no surprise that bad news and see you in my nightmare are like right next to each other right right, right. um um but yeah i that was actually a runner-up for for for, for one my, of your low bottom, bottom ones three. yeah but the one that and i think i'm right there with you with the, the third one go for it right so and, and here's the thing i don't know if this counts but i guess it does the album ends with a live track uh pinocchio uh pinocchio Pinocchio story Story. yeah pinocchio story i'm right there with you brother i just can't i just can't hang with that song Um, and i heard it was a real emotional moment where he was venting about what happened with his mom and everything so in context i understand that but that's not for everybody you know that's more for him yeah yeah and and you could tell that he's kind of just riffing yeah right he's kind of ranting and and riffing and and it's you know, I'm sure it was a great moment when he played it live. I just, I, you know. It doesn't translate. I think it no. just doesn't translate to the album. I'm right there with you. I know through the whole album, he had this theme of like a stunted adult, I think, trying to make, you know, make sense of love and make sense of relationships right. during fame. And that's where he's he's pulling this Pinocchio, you know, Pinocchio story. Right. That's beautiful. That's artistic. But this didn't nail the landing, I think. Well, and it's hard to go from something that is like, you know, pristine production, yeah. right? And, yeah. And, uh, y- you know, it's hard to go from that to, let's face it, like a, uh, a live track that that is very not that. It, it's, it's, it's more him talking, right? It's more him talking emotionally yeah. than... Than musicians actually doing anything under him. I think they're doing a couple things, right? But it's real subtle, and I think that hurt it. But even like the track itself, the production of the track itself, like for one, it's quieter than the rest of the it's album. Quieter, right? Um, it doesn't sound like it's actually being like recorded to a soundboard. It sounds like someone's just kind of like holding, bootlegging it, holding right? Up a phone or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I, it, it could be like an artistic choice, but I don't think it nailed it, you know, for the album. Yeah. For it to be a song like if we were picking songs to put on an album, this would definitely get vetoed by all of us, I think, you know. Sure. And and, and in, in the past, like, um, you know, for example, I did put out an EP uh, for a previous band. Right. And right. We, we did put a live track at the end. But it was very it was like mu- a bonus track almost. Yeah, right? yeah, it was very much like this is a bonus track. This is not the last song in the album. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was on Anarchy and the Wicked Peng- uh, Penguin, right? No, that was on uh, Until the End. Oh, Until the End. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, anyways, but hey, you know, overall, I'm going to say I was like really pleasantly surprised and actually kind of sad because it seems from from what I hear, what I researched and also what you've told me, it seems like this was kind of the tipping point for him, right? Something really bad happened to Kanye West, and then from there it just 
so, kind of went south, right? South. So let me tell you something. Like I heard this album when it was current, and I didn't really appreciate it. Right in two thousand eight, um, two thousand nine, I got married, so I was in L.A. a lot, and I was around my nieces. They were adolescent. Yeah. They were uh, teenage and tween age, right? And one of them was very little that's playing with us now currently. Right. Um, and they were listening to this stuff because it was popular, right? You, that's what kids do. This yeah. stuff's, if it's new, if it's you know relevant, then kids are going to be into it. So I got, I got to hear a lot of this through osmosis, through them. Um, and it wasn't probably for like another good, I don't know, I want to say maybe 10 years till I really listened to this with a fresh set of ears and just fell in love with it, right? Oh, wow. It had always been around. I think my brother-in-law gave me this album. He was like, here, you could have it. You know, I'll burn you a copy of it. Back when we used to do that. Yeah, he burned yeah. me a copy of this in graduation. And he's like, they're both good albums, you know? Yeah. I finally put it on my uh, whatever or bought it again or something, right? And I was like, oh, this is a good album. This is a really good album. But he went crazy after this. So <laughs> here's where the story ends, right? And you know, as we do these podcasts, you'll learn that I get very fearful of things that I like. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know this about me, but like if I really like something and they so they put something else out that's new, I usually will stay away. Oh, interesting. I Like I did that with Young <laughs> the Giant and I did that with this, right? Right. Um, so with Young the Giant, it, I took like a like 13 year gap before I listened to anything new. Oh, okay. Uh, but with this... I was like, this is the end of my catalog. I'm not going to listen to anything else. Um, I get that. I did a, I did a, uh, I listened to a uh, video essay about him. And then they mentioned how like the fans were kind of giving him shit. And so he decided to give them what they want with another album, like right after this. Oh. And it was uh, Dark Fantasy, My Twisted Dark Fantasy or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I was afraid to listen to it, but this dude was spitting a lot of facts and he's like, it was a masterpiece. It was good. You know, maybe not graduation good, but it was good. Uh-huh. So maybe uh, this was during your wedding, like around all that time, you know, when we were getting the tuxes and stuff like that. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to be bold and I'm going to listen to this. Yeah. And I remember telling <laughs> Zeke Zero, hey, maybe give this album a listen, right? Because he was in the same boat as me. He was like, I'm not going to listen to anything after this. So we met up again. Like, I, I put it on. Let me just tell you. I put it on. And I almost felt like tearing up a little bit. I was like, damn it. I was like, I was so stubborn about, you know, not wanting to ruin the art for myself that I wasn't able to indulge in this next album. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore because I don't think it's anything else was was great because he put out several albums after. I mean, I I get the feeling, though, right? When you love something so much that you you sort of don't don't want to taint it. You don't want to taint that, you know? Yeah. It kind of like, oh, oh, shit, there's going to be a crack in their legacy you know totally yeah and that's that's, that's kind of how i am dude like it's funny i um i heard like the opening track of that record literally brought a tear to my eye right i was like man that's that's it's it's beautiful but eh, it's it's okay it's good you know right yeah but it was yeah. more like that message like right off the bat i was like damn that's such a triumphant song like the opening track on that record wow so yeah i don't know you'll you'll eventually check it out i think yeah, well, you know, with Kanye West, it's um, again, I, I, I just I want to circle back. You know, it, it's um, first of all, I mean, yeah, what what he's done as a as an artist is actually very good. Um, I think I'm always going to be at odds with Kanye West. Absolutely, the the, the person, person, the person, absolutely, right. Um, 
But, you know, as we continue on with the podcast, especially, I mean, um, it'll be interesting when it comes up again um, to kind of mine a little bit more of, like, what he's done. Uh, and also kind of what that's going to mean for me, right? Um, but, yeah, I mean, the dude... Yeah, he he would he would help himself by mellowing out, right? Right, right. Um, so uh, this is the first episode of our podcast, so I I can't say this is a ritual yet, but um, for the last part of our podcast, um, what we do is we take a particularly harsh review, uh, a, a user review, and uh, I will read it aloud, and then we'll decide if we agree with it or if we disagree with it. So. This is from uh, Grant Thornhill on November 29th, 2008. He gives this album a 0 out of 10. (laughs) Uh, Kanye West is a genius, therefore he feels the need to try new things. However, Kanye's abandonment of rap in favor of only using um, auto-tune and tribal drums in a regrettable choice that has yielded forgettable, if not... um, Sorry, I need to take off my glasses here. Uh, If not unlistenable songs, Kanye shouldn't worry too much, though. Neil Yound, which is a typo, Neil Yound and Bob Dylan also made some terrible albums during the experimental phases, and they are still considered to be among the the best musicians of all time. If Kanye wants to be remembered like Michael Jackson, he should focus on improving his raps rather than abandoning them to become a crappier version of T-Pain. Which is funny because, you know, I mentioned that thing about T-Pain earlier. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Neil Yound. (laughs) Neil Yound. Um, I love that guy. I definitely don't agree with a zero out of 10. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Um, I also don't. And here's the thing for me, I don't have enough context for Kanye West. You don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to this, right? Right. So I'd love to know like, you know what you think. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with this. I think, I think a lot of, and this maybe it's a hot take, right? But I think a lot of the earlier work just didn't speak to me, but you got to remember I'm a guitarist in a rock band. I grew up listening to a lot of new wave and grunge and stuff like that. So, when he was doing this stuff that was very synth heavy, like you said, Phil Collins and a lot of that stuff, Depeche Mode, that kind of permeated that music, and I loved it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't give it a zero. That that's that. I think yeah. that's a that's a pretty harsh, mean spirited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at the time, that was just kind of popular. Everybody was shitting on this album because it was so different now people don't shit on it so much. People are like, damn, it's kind of a banger, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I have noticed in my research that it has aged pretty favorably. Like, yeah. it seems like at the time it got a lot of flack, but o- over time um, it was recognized for what it was. And that's like a very influential album. So, well, great. Um Hey, everybody. Uh, we are the band members of Frantic Romantic. Uh, this is our brand new podcast. Uh, let's get critical. Um, so we're looking forward to reviewing and studying tons and tons of albums. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, please leave comments. Please, please leave questions for us. Um, suggestions for uh, albums that you'd love us love for us to listen to. We would be totally open for that. 
Um, but until next time, uh, my mutant name is uh, Mr. Kerosene. And joined with me, as always, is... Rube Walker. And this is the Let's Get Critical podcast. We will see you back here soon. See ya. Let's Get Critical is a part of the Let Me Listen podcast network. You may find all Let Me Listen podcasts on such websites as Spotify, Deezer, SoundCloud, and other streaming networks. You may find more information about the band Frantic Romantic by visiting franticromanticmusic.com as well as our social media platforms. We're always posting information about concerts, new music, and more. So please, visit us, reach out to us. Let us know if there's any albums you'd love for us to review. Until next time, this has been Let's Get Critical.